0: Union of the Unwanted, back June 5th, 2023. Ricky, take it away. What's up? Union of the Unwanted, every other Monday
1: on Rockfin live streamed. And I'll just keep reminding you guys, these episodes, the video versions, do also go on our Odyssey channel. And you can find the audio anywhere you can find audio podcasts. So it's not exclusively only on Rockfin, it's just exclusively live-streamed on Rockfin. And uh, today we have a a great show. We had a lot of help putting this together by uh, Miss Monica Perez, who uh, helped out quite a bit uh, putting this uh, great group of people together. And we're going to be talking about homesteading. We're going to talk about farming, food. Uh, You know, you see a lot of supply chain issues. You see a lot of people being much more open-minded to homesteading and kind of uh, growing their own food and whatnot. So uh, we're going to get into some of those topics and then anything else kind of connected to it. Uh, Monica, because you were a huge help, not to put you on the spot, but uh, <laughs> is there any any specific topic, any, any direction you would like to kind of start off with?
2: Yeah, I, I have a friend, a guy who I've had on my show a couple of times, uh, a lawyer who's uh, hanging up his practice and just bought, bought like dozens of acres of land in, I think, Oregon. I was like, Whoa, how do you do that? I mean, I feel like you're going to want to start a little slower, whatever. Um, but I had the idea of getting this group together and talking about kind of how you get started. People here have started from nothing, have gotten huge pieces of land, so I was curious about that. And then I also wonder how you can dedicate yourself to the out to to this endeavor and um not totally disconnect in case the government comes through your you know, right to collect rainwater, or like with COVID or the avian flu, they want to slaughter your chickens. So, I wonder how do you get started, but how do you keep from just completely getting off grid and being vulnerable? So, those are my two kind of bookends of the beginning and the end of of what I'm interested in.
1: Yeah. And I think another part, a huge part of this is this idea that we don't have enough food for everybody, right? Like it's constantly fear mongering, fear mongering. Uh, there's not enough land. There's too many people. How do we feed everybody? How do we do it ethically? You know, you sometimes you hear the argument that factory farming is a necessity and, uh, and that's how the only way you're going to feed everybody. And I think, uh, Joel could, could hit on that. I think some of you guys might know Joel. He's been on the Rogan podcast a few times. He's, he's written a bunch of books. He's been, uh, on a bunch of documentaries and he has an amazing business and farm and, uh, just incredibly, uh, knowledgeable into the, these topics. Uh, Joel, do you mind maybe hitting off some of the, you know, some of these topics by giving us a little bit of what you do, uh, with your farm and your business?
3: Sure, sure. Uh, well, thanks. Thanks for having me on. It's a real privilege and an honor to, to be with you. Uh, so our farm is in Virginia's, Virginia's Shenandoah Valley, which is on the Western side of the state. And, um, and so we're, you know, we're three hours from Washington, DC. We're definitely on the Atlantic, you know, the Atlantic side of the U S and, um, you know, we came to the farm, I was just four, when mom and dad bought this farm in 1961. Dad was an accountant, mom was a school teacher, and the off-farm jobs paid the mortgage, you know, the, you know that that's a, that's a typical uh, thing. And our first 10 years were primarily uh, basically a glorified homestead. We grew all of our own food, milked a couple milk cows, you know, had had our own eggs. I got my first chickens when I was 10, so I was the chicken man in the family. I had the chickens and uh, and just loved them and i loved the farm i loved uh, all that and my chicken business kind of grew and i grew with it into my teens started supplying a couple restaurants and a couple schools and numerous families and um and that gave me you know spending money throughout my teen years and um so you know so i'm sitting here thinking well how do i uh, Dad and mom never made a living on the farm, uh, so the the mortgage got paid in about you know twelve years. Now we're debt free, but but it, it's, there's no going concern. How am I going to make a living on the farm? And my first uh, plan was, well, I'll, I'll milk about ten cows, sell the milk at retail, not high price because it's organic or grass or anything, just just regular supermarket price. I can make a nice living milking ten cows. The only problem was the government said that was illegal to you know to do. And, um, and so, you know, um, uh, that, that didn't work. And so, you know, so when I, when I started, then I, I went to town and, you know, I was a uh, gifted, I was, had a, a knack for writing. And so I became a journalist at the local daily newspaper, lived here at home. trees, and I got married. We fixed up the attic in the farmhouse. I'm sure it was illegal. We didn't ask. We didn't tell. We didn't get a permit, but we, we made an apartment in the farmhouse, drove a, drove a $50 car we bought from a neighbor. Uh, grew all of her own food she canned I don't know what 800 quarts of stuff a summer out of the garden that's what we ate on if we didn't grow it we didn't eat it and I uh, always said if we could have if we could have grown toilet paper and Kleenex we could have pulled the plug on society and, um, and and from those humble beginnings we just began uh, you know began uh, direct marketing uh, building up a little customer base um, selling our our beef and then we added the chickens and uh, today today we we uh we have about twenty two of us that make a full-time living here on the farm we service about ten thousand families we ship nationwide service um a couple dozen restaurants some institutions some uh some you know some uh kind of boutique you know boutique grocery outfits and um and it's uh it's quite a we, we, we didn't. We just wanted to be full time farmers. But, you know, we were early on there in the in the 80s. You know, we I came back to the farm full time September 24, 1982. That's that's a big day in my life. I walked out of that paycheck and came back to the farm. We had saved up enough money to to make it for one year. And uh, we lived on three hundred dollars a month and uh, said, you know what, it, 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 we, we can make it for a year and uh that little that little nest egg just just hung on and hung on and and um and you know we made it one year then we made it two and by the end of the third year into the fourth we kind of we kind of took a deep breath said oh yeah i think we're gonna make it you know the little engine that could i think i can i think i can and uh by about year four uh we we felt like okay we're gonna make it and it's just you know it's just grown so this this was in the 80s and then the in the 90s came along and uh you know uh people started getting more concerned you know the whole local food movement developed uh organics developed all that you know we were way ahead of that curve and uh now the the you know the basic cultural awareness of our kind of food is way way bigger you know than it was back in the in the 70s and 80s uh but but that's okay we've just you know we've just grown with it and um now we're kind of an old dog in the Old dog in the, in the pen, but, uh, but it's, it's really been fun to 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 we feel like Cinderella, you know, we've been in the ashes all of our lives and all of a sudden now, you know, we get invited to the ball and uh then Putin, you know, Putin invades Ukraine, fertilizer goes up four hundred percent, and we're just sitting cool because we don't buy any of it. It doesn't affect us at all. So when Tyson goes and raises prices, you know, 32% in one year, we only have to raise them 10% just to keep up in, with inflation. But none of our other costs have gone up. And so so we're starting to realize the uh you know that 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 what we've been laughed at for so long by the by the conventional orthodoxy is actually uh far less fragile and more resilient to these kinds of uh black swan events and um and problems because we're less we're less dependent on you know on on uh on outfits that some can sometimes have uh, nefarious uh, nefarious agendas Well,
2: I have a question for you. Oh,
3: go ahead.
2: Do you feel like, you know, they say half of all businesses go under or whatever. Do you feel like other people doing what you did that you're just, it was a moonshot? Or do you feel like it was one foot in front of the other and anybody who persevered could at least make a living?
3: Yeah, uh, well, there was certainly nothing. Look, you know, they talk about business uh, location, location, location we were not in a good location we're on a dirt road we're not in a metropolitan area we're not close to markets uh but but what we had i I think the um the advantages that we had the main advantage was that we were hungry we didn't have money we didn't i left outside employment i threw everything on this we were completely dependent on it and you know when you're hungry you get really creative and, uh, and so what, what, yeah, certainly I've seen like you, I'm sure I've seen many, many people come to this and put in their three, four, five years and then they're out, then they're out, you know, you see this. And normally, normally they either, a, uh, aren't willing to whatever, put in the long hours it takes to, to start with the, you know, with the infant business. I mean, you got to change a lot of diapers in an infant business. Okay. And, uh, and it just is what it is. A lot of babysitting. Um, but the second thing is, just, uh, just, just being business savvy enough to watch your pennies, uh, watch your cash flow and, uh, and just basic good, good principle, good business, uh, principles, uh, you know, integrity business principles. And so there's way more to this than we don't use chemicals. You know, uh, it's, 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 um, it's how do you substitute, you know, so we, uh, when other people were buying fertilizer, we bought a wood chipper so we could generate carbon. Uh, you know, when other people were making contracts with uh, Tyson, we were out knocking on doors, finding customers in our community that wanted to buy, you know, good chicken. Uh, so, you know, it, uh, it was just a, a complete inversion of the normal orthodox approach and it, um, it paid off.
1: Now, I did open up by talking about the idea of like, is there enough food to feed everybody? You know, is it in your opinion, it is factory farming because that was some a topic that you know you start seeing documentary after documentary, you know, demonizing factory farming, and then you'd hear the argument of, oh, but this is necessary to feed everybody. Like, what's your opinion on those topics? Is it possible to have a farm like the the one that you have and and feed? you know the, the the globe or is that just yeah. not something that's realistic
3: not, not only does our kind of farming uh can it feed the world it it's actually the only system that can long term uh, as we've seen the disruptions in the system uh monica mentioned uh um avian uh, high path avian influenza that's decimating uh things at the top of the program uh that that's a a big deal and uh so you know we're we're just seeing we're we're seeing cracks you know the 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 factory farming system has been you know we could say for the most part but basically a century in developing a century in developing and what happens is these uh you know when Joel Arthur Barker wrote the book paradigms in the 1970 and and brought the idea of paradigms to the world, one of his axioms was every paradigm eventually exceeds its point of efficiency And so what we're seeing now is, that as 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 antibiotics mechanization cheap fuel uh basically cheap petroleum floated the factory farming system because there's a it's it's a it's an energy intensive capital intensive infrastructure intensive system a, as it floated that system as as all of that that begins to crack then what happens is the old uh you know, the old platforms that have fed the world for a long time. Now, I'm not a Luddite. I love technology. But uh, but but the, the basic platforms um, are now showing up. With our technology now, we can, we can duplicate what nature did so well. I, I think the, the, the quickest way to answer your question is to realize that 500 years ago, North America produced more food than it does today. Now, humans didn't eat it all. You know, we had, we had 2 million wolves that needed 20 pounds of meat a day. We had 200 million beavers that ate more vegetables uh, than, than all the humans in North America today. We had uh, flocks of passenger pigeons that were so big, Audubon, Audubon sat under a tree in uh, early 1800s, and he recorded in his diary, he said, I haven't been able to see the sun for three days because the passenger pigeons blocked out the sun as they flew over. You know, who has seen a flock of birds so big it blocked out the sun for three days? So you know the 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 amount of food in North America 500 years ago exceeds what we've done today with chemical fertilizers, the the Green Revolution, John Deere tractors, plows, and Monsanto. And, and so it should give us all pause to realize that we have actually not produced more food. Now I'm not saying we're not producing more food than. Than old hillbilly farmers did a hundred years ago. I'm saying nature, the, the unmolested, the 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 Native American pre-European uh, uh, production exceeded what we have today. You know, if, if you take the whole cumulative nutrition package, and so uh, so you know we actually we actually dare to ask, well, if that was so productive, how do we duplicate that on a commercial you know on a commercial scale today?
1: Does anybody want to ask a question or or, uh, expand on any of these topics? Jay?
4: Yeah, uh, thanks for inviting me here, Tim. Uh, I wasn't planning on being on with Joel Salatin. Joel, you're one of my heroes. Um, I'm from New Hampshire. I moved here for the Free State Project. Uh, I started a, a, a homeschool curriculum I call Man Camp. And uh, Man Camp originally started as a blacksmithing, teaching uh, young kids how to blacksmiths, And the idea is to if uh, we want I want there to be people who don't want government and people who have confidence don't need government. So if we can instill confidence in young minds, then the future generations uh, are going to uh, require less government. Uh, one comment that I wanted to make to what Joel uh, went on here about this big corporate farming, and he may have said it, but maybe I missed it is uh, what's floated this cheap food uh, also is the massive government subsidies. <laughs> um, I grew up, uh, uh, my dad was a horse trader. I grew up going to horse auctions uh, during the week and then going to rodeos. I rode the hunters and jumpers. I rode dressage. Um, I did, uh, you know, team roped and calf rope because we had to sell these horses. And then my, uh, one of my kids just climbed up here and, um, and then one of my uh and then I went on to be uh in the hay business. So I was started broker in hay at 12 years old. I had my own cell phone at, in 1997 at 17 cuz I was a hay broker and I was broker in hay for three hay dealers. And then by the time I was 16, I had my own hay trucks. By the time I was 23, I had several hay trucks, uh, a couple semi trucks. Uh, we were doing good with it. I was a 300 pound fat truck driver eating all the junk food on the road. <laughs> um, and uh, when I was, uh, and my stepfather, a guy named Trent Cook, Cook Farms, Hudson, Colorado, um, where my mom moved out to when I was a little kid, um, I used to go out there and visit for six weeks every year. And then um, when I got to be about 21 years old, I started working on his corn harvest crew. Um, and so I got to see the whole, um, Republican welfare, farm, welfare, whore, farmer scene where these guys, you know, just, they love Monsanto. Monsanto just makes them so much money. They love the government subsidized, uh, crop insurance. Um, and, uh, these guys, you know, are what I refer to as the commodity cowboys. Well, anyways, So I did harvest crew, ran corn chopper, I I packed silage pit. We worked on dairies with um, Lost Creek Dairy, 6,200 milk cows, over 13,000 head on a dairy. Uh, So I did that from 2013, 14, and 15. And I was like, you know, 30, 33, 34 years old, working with a bunch of men my age, and they were all on low testosterone medication, almost all these guys, But these guys were like playing with the Roundup and playing with the Atrazine. And they're like, they didn't take that stuff seriously. Like I see these guys, you got Roundup all over their clothes. They're not wearing a hazmat suit. You know, they're getting it on their skin. And uh, I don't know if you ever picked up a jug of concentrated Roundup, but that stuff's about 12 pounds per gallon. It's like 50% heavier than water. Um, Anyways, I came back to New Hampshire. I stayed in Colorado. I made a lot of money. I worked, you know, 80 to 100 hours a week for a couple of years. Um, saved a bunch of money, um, bought gold and silver and Bitcoin while I was out there, came home to new, came to New Hampshire for the free state project, uh, bought a 12 acre homestead. Uh, I, I, I found a woman at, uh, pork fest, made her my wife. Uh, we got two babies now and I did not want to be a farmer until, uh, I was here on my homestead. I wasn't, I was like, yeah, I'll have a homestead. I didn't really want to farm. I was uh, totally happy with trading with people, my services, which I started a heavy equipment um, repair business. Um, And um, when my daughter was born, uh, I was like, I got to teach this kid to be competent and useful by the time she's old enough to have her own kids. And uh, that's a short window. So, uh, and actually you got to teach the kids to be competent and useful. I'm concerned, uh, uh, you got to teach them to get their dopamine hits from hard work before they're six years old, because whatever you teach them before they're six years old, whatever they enjoy, whatever they get their dopamine hit within that first six years of life, that is what they are going to love for the rest of their life. That is what's going to bring them happiness. So my daughter, um, we had chickens. Uh, my daughter was, uh, you know, February 2020, right in the beginning of the scamdemic, she w- we were in the hospital. We had to have a C-section. This is the first time I had watched a television probably in 14 years sitting in that hospital and all this nonsense about all this stuff going on. <clears throat> so I'm looking at, so I, I just like, I'm like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? I got to raise her the way I raised her. I did not want to be in the horse business. I did not want to be in the hay business. I did not want to be away from home. I want to be at home. So uh, uh, a friend of mine in uh, Bardo Farms, Croydon, New Hampshire, um, they are free staters also. They've been, you know, butchering a couple of pigs a month, raising some pigs, doing like a cow a month. They had kind of a, you know, uh, an operation that was going along and uh, but it was small time. The, their, You know, their butcher was just a guy out of a garage. Um, and I started getting, being friendly with these guys, helping them work on their equipment as I met them. And, uh, Neil sends me a message. He goes, Hey, there's these market hogs that they're going to euthanize in Pennsylvania. They're a hundred bucks a piece and they're 350 pounds. These hogs had $500 worth of feeding them. So we make a deal. I, so I still had all my equipment for my horse trading days. So I have my 24 foot aluminum stock trailer, my Cummins diesel pickup truck. And and I I call my brother. I'm like, hey, let's go get some hogs. And he's got a 34-foot stock trailer. He's still in the horse business. We're going to go down to Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. We're going to get some $100 hogs. Let's load up all the ones we can get, bring them home. Because Bardo Farm had no meat. They sold out of everything. Because what happened is all the people that knew who these guys were but weren't supporting them were going to the grocery store. They weren't supporting their local farmer. But when things got scary, they're like, oh, I need to fill up my freezers with meat. So they went and they wiped these guys out of meat. So <clears throat> two days before we're going to go get these hogs, a the farmer calls us and he says, I can't sell you these hogs. I can't give them to you. I have to kill them. He says, I have to euthanize, I can't remember how many thousands of hogs because he was a Tyson producer. And uh, I'm like, he's like, you guys just can't come. I'll get sued. My lawyer t- told me to take that off, ad off of Craigslist. This was a Craigslist ad. Uh, Tyson basically said he was gonna, they were going to sue this guy. <clears throat> so I'm like, wow, it was pretty crazy. So I called up some livestock brokers in, um, in Massachusetts that I used to deal with guys. Uh, cause I used to go to New Holland, Pennsylvania to the livestock auction. And a lot of times in the fall, I would haul horses down to sell and I would haul, and I would buy cows for guys and bring them home. I'd buy calves or whatever, you know, my buddies wanted. i I just come home with a full trailer for them. And, um, so anyways, uh, I'm, I'm like, hey, we need to get some pigs. We need to get some pigs. And one of the guys finds pigs in, in uh, Illinois for free, piglets. They are weaned. They got like their little, their teeth docked. The, the, the incisor, all the stuff these commercial guys do, you know, for these uh, pig piglet operations. We can't go anywhere with these pigs. We're going to have to euthanize them. So I'm like, wow, that's. Well, all right, what are we going to do? So I call a guy that's in the uh, cattle bit, cattle hauler. He goes over there. He, I send him out there with the cattle pot. He puts on 860 piglets in his cattle pot, and he <laughs> runs them back here to Massachusetts. We go meet the, I go meet the guy in Massachusetts, about 125 piglets in my stock trailer, and then I come home, unload them. We had just set up some uh, pastures. Um, my daughter is four months old, and I got her holding the hose, watering the pigs. I got her <clears throat> taking the hand taking grain out of a grain scoop and just throwing it at the pigs and the pigs are going after it. That kid squealed as loud as those pigs. She was so excited about feeding those kids. I saw pleasure in like, I have never seen anyone experience before. She was getting a dopamine hit and I knew I was on to something. A week later, I went down and got the other 125 piglets from the guy uh, where they were in Massachusetts, brought them home. I put an ad on Craigslist piglets, Hundred and fifty dollars if you pay cash. A hundred bucks if you pay me in bullets, bullion, or Bitcoin. And uh, and 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 that's how we did it. Because one of the main things that we need to boycott now is the U.S. dollar. We need to boycott fiat, and we should all be trading in cryptocurrency, goldbacks. If you don't know what goldbacks are, they're amazing. You should uh, the, the, it's gold. It's the smallest domination of gold I've ever seen. One 1000 of an ounce. Uh, I used to s- advertise hay for a quarter of bale. If you paid in pre 1964 silver coins, you know, back in the, uh, like 2000s. Um, and I actually sold hay for silver eagles to uh, a couple of customers over the years. Um, anyways, uh, now man camp is a, is a bunch of toddlers that come from the city. They come to our homestead. And these are uh, kids from like there was a four month old was the youngest one last week, you know, and and she's hanging on her mom while the mom's, you know, helping us plant a garden. And we got kids up to seven years old. There was like 22 of them here last Tuesday. And um, I got them harvesting uh, forage, transporting it to the cows and feeding them. So here's how that goes with a bunch of toddlers. Hey, guys, we've got to rip up all this grass and weeds, throw it in these little red rider, rider wagons, and then we and then I have all the kids haul the cows over to the wagons about 1,000 foot away. I'm going to haul the wagons over to the cows about 1,000 foot away, and they feed the cows through the fence. They hand-feed these calves. i got these Charlet calves and a couple of um, uh, Jersey Steers, um, and the kids feed them through the fence. Uh, so... I bought those 250 piglets. I ended up wintering about 54 of them. Um, I fenced off about uh, three acres of uh, heavy New Hampshire forest uh, with an electric fence. Pigs are the easiest things to train in in that electric fence. Uh, I used to run goats years ago, and uh, pigs are like so easy to deal with compared to goats. Goats you can't keep in for some reason.
5: Hey, Mike. (laughs) I'm sorry. Jump in real quick because I know Mike and the Naked Gardener have limited amount of time. Oh, so sorry. I wanted to make, make sure that we jumped on them really, really quick before, but you guys did, you guys did something similar. I'm hearing Jay's story and I'm thinking about you guys. Cause you were in Arizona. You said, we got to get out of here. We got to go back to Ohio, get some land. And, and then we're able to build this. Well, I mean like an empire on YouTube, the Naked Gardener empire, of course, but more importantly, uh a, a, a garden and a farm and now you've incorporated animals and and i get we get text messages when your chickens go missing and things like that yes. you know it's a whole thing like what how you guys just jumped in there and did it did you have any sort of like farming background like what is your what's your um what's your background that made you think you you could pull this off
0: well i'll let the naked gardener tell that story but uh i followed her and uh, i followed her lead and Here I am uh, on a homestead, (laughs) but Naked Gardener, go ahead, please.
6: Yeah, we were, of course, living out in Arizona for a couple of years, but I really didn't have any hands-on prior experience. Uh, In fact, my earlier uh, childhood, uh, both of my grandparents gardened and farmed and had chickens and did all of that. Um, But as a kid, I just played on the farm, uh, played mostly with the stray cats uh, that hung around, the barn cats. um, But that was it. Um, It wasn't until much later on in my life when I started to show interest in all of this. And it started uh, with my uh, former mother-in-law who actually um, built out some garden beds. And I started to, you know, I, I felt that need to take care of those plants keep them alive uh, because um, I was not really uh, very familiar with that process Um, and so I had to learn that and upon learning that I fell in love with it and I started to want to grow my own vegetables in my backyard and I had a few raised garden beds and that's just how i started and i really just started to grow the things that i enjoyed to eat um, and when we moved to um, arizona obviously living out in the desert it was so dry very hot um, very difficult to grow anything um, and um, i kind of tabled the whole garden stuff and we really missed the greenery of the midwest um which is of course where mike and i were both uh, originally from and grew up so we actually decided to come back this this way and that was at the beginning of the uh, pandemic and we really wanted to do it differently get some land and start to grow our own food uh, become more self-sufficient and uh really it was for our own personal um experience of that and that is what i've been showcasing on my youtube channel the naked gardener is uh, just sharing our journey and doing this um you know mostly it is of course myself that does a lot of the work but mike is a huge help uh, when i certainly need it uh, because it has grown quite a bit in the few years that we've been here um year one We, I I completely dove fully in and started to build everything out and um, it was a lot of work uh, but a lot of fun and I just enjoy this so much and um, really during the whole process of my living out in Arizona and then of course coming back here and returning to this kind of environment um, just shifted some things in me energetically and spiritually. And I just really started to develop a deeper relationship with nature. And it healed me in so many different ways and uh, continues to provide something for my soul uh, that I know was lacking in my previous years. And so that is what I love to deliver in my messaging uh, through my videos. Uh, That is actually the primary thing that I like to, to inspire is um, cultivating that deeper relationship with nature and what that can do for you on an emotional, mental, physical level. Uh, I think we've gone so far from having that connection with the plants, with the earth, the soil, the sun, and how much our bodies and our minds need that. Um, I think it's vital for us as a species to have that connection. And we've just gone so far from that. Um, So since I have reconnected in that deeper way here, uh, so much has shifted for me. And I hope to just inspire others to, to really do that as well. And of course, to show them that you don't have to necessarily do it on the big, large scale. Um, that I know, some are talking about here today. Um, even if it is just growing food for yourself, your family, um, and just getting back into that um, that connection, that that level of knowledge uh, and wisdom that um, our species once had many, many, many moons ago. <laughs> so, I think it's just really important that we come back to that.
0: But, but hey. Uh, we learned some hard lessons, didn't we? we <laughs> oh,
6: absolutely. <laughs> like, it has certainly been um, quite the ride.
0: <laughs> it's like we, you learn, like, I I, grew up, I basically live most of my life in the city. I work in IT. Uh, you know, I like to think of myself as handy, but uh, not as handy as I like to think I am. Like, uh, pretty much the lesson here is if there are unknowns with a project, uh, double the cost and triple the amount of time that it's going to take to complete. Uh, if you dig a well, uh, make sure you have the strength and energy to complete the well because <laughs> the Naked Gardener uh, documented our well digging attempt and it didn't go as planned. There's going to be a lot of failures when you do things for the first time, especially uh, homesteading. There's going to be failures and uh, be aware that you're going to have to manage your time differently because the, uh, the more projects you take on, the more animals you bring in, the more time is going to be occupied. Uh, so just keep that in mind, everyone.
5: I think it's important to set reasonable expectations, but also at the same time, you kind of are showing that you don't have to have a hardcore farming background to jump into this and you can do it on a smaller scale and sort of grow it as you feel comfortable. And on top of that, I know we've had done enough of these shows. You don't have to have a ton of land. You don't have to have as much land as you might think you need. And if you're somebody in the city, there's ways that you can grow food, uh, indoors. I'm sure, uh, I'd like to get uh Jim Gale to uh weigh in on this since we're talking about feeding people in a limited amount of space and we're talking about uh oh you, you know just maximizing what you've got. I mean, if there isn't I mean food forest abundance is doing that, right? That's that is what you do. Seven layers of food.
7: Right? Yeah. Yes, I'm so glad to be I love all you guys. This is just a we big We love you talk. Jimmy. We're God,
5: we're so glad. Every time you come on, I want to run through a wall afterwards.
7: Wow! Everything we know about how to feed the world is freaking wrong. And everybody here knows that and now we're bringing the solutions to the masses. We're now in 54 countries and 50 US states assisting people, inspiring people, empowering people and encouraging people to take out the poisons and grow food instead of ornamental plants. And my experience, I'm not a farmer and I don't know how to grow anything. I know how to design it and I know how to build soil and then I know how to put the plant in the ground. Right. And then from there, nature, God does everything else. And I No, our job is to inspire a shift in awareness that leads to mass adoption of this simple thing, and that's growing food instead of lawns without poisons. When we inspire that shift, we solve all of the world's major problems, mass extinction, deforestation, cancer, diabetes, heart disease. We end world hunger. We end tyranny when we create that cultural shift. So I've been asking the question obsessively for 15 years, how do we do that? And so we're doing everything in our power, which is what we can do to grow our power and to demonstrate what this is like. Right now at Gold's Landing, and I invite everybody, we're 45 minutes from the Orlando International Airport. Please come visit me. I would love to do a show with you from Gold's Landing and just show you what we're talking about because right now I can go outside. We've done the work. The work was upfront, the design and the installation, the well we dug, the solar panels we put up, the automated system that takes water out of our pond. We put 14,000 fish in the pond, seven species. We take that water on a solar pump and we fertigate the food forest on four different zones. When the clouds are down or out, the water system goes down. When the sun comes out, the water system blasts the plants. And somebody criticized me the other day. And I love that, by the way, please bring it. Um, And they said, a food forest is way more maintenance than you're letting on. So I went out into my food forest and I asked myself the question, what maintenance do I have to do in this food forest? And the instant answer was the only maintenance that we've done in 18 months in that particular set of centropic rows was to mow the lawn in between the rows. (laughs) That's all we've done. And it's massively productive. There's so many sweet potatoes in the ground that our only job now is to harvest the food and then to know how to cook it. And I don't know how to cook it, so I'm learning from experts that know how to cook, And that's going to be my next phase is to go out and just harvest food. It's not free technically because it costs a lot of energy to put it in the ground. But now it's basically free forevermore exponentially. So now I want to learn on film how to cook it and then show people how to take this from start to finish and to inspire this shift. And actually,
2: Lani spends all of her time, I would think, learning um how to preserve the food that she grows, and I've learned a lot from her, she does workshops on that, and I mean, I just—it changed my life actually, because it's uh, the food is like the probiotics are in there, and the food seems to last forever if you eat some of the stuff out of her fridge. In my yeah, I'm I'm experience. just
8: thinking about how I need to go to Jim's house just so I can ferment all the things that are growing there that don't grow oh, here in my region, in Northwest Washington. Please come. That's, I don't know how to do that real well either, so please. <laughs> let's Yeah, so uh, fermentation, canning, like other kinds of food preservation, drying meats naturally with you know dry curing with salt things have been like that have been forgotten by our society and i think it's extremely important for people to relearn these things that were once commonplace in every home once we were around people adults in the home doing these things on a daily basis you were weird if you didn't know about that it's totally reversed in just 50 60 years and i wasn't fortunate enough to grow up in a home that was growing things or raising chickens or producing their own food or even cooking from really from scratch Although I thought we were cooking from scratch when I was a kid, but I have a different perception of what that means now. No more Betty Crocker, um, cake mix. You know, you're, you're actually, maybe you're grinding your own flour now. You take it back a step each time, right? And, and for me, helping people relearn how to do these ancestral ways of preserving food has been really important, especially when more and more people get interested in growing their own food. You, grow it and then we have an off season. Most places have an off season when things aren't growing and what are you eating then? If you're relying on the grocery store through through those months and you're having waste during other times, then let's think how we can convert that energy by putting those things up when they're in season and then enjoying them throughout the year. So the shelf I can see here in my basement is still loaded with fruits and vegetables from last year's garden and my two refrigerators are loaded with sauerkraut and kimchi and all the different kind of fermented pickles and dilly beans. And uh, I just, I'm over the moon for the natural process of fermentation. And that's what I love to share with people at my workshops and everything else I do for Greener Postures, which Monica came to. And you can attest that even with no real like, you know, skills that you can just you know put something in a jar with a little salt and watch it until it's ready to eat and you have. Well, i only hermets. showed up because my husband
2: wanted pickled green beans for bloody mary's
8: <sighs> and, you and did. Then, you provided. Yes, and
2: now he's horrified by the fact that i eat sauerkraut for breakfast every day <laughs>
8: Sauerkraut with eggs is really good, especially when you have chickens with your own eggs. I had a story similar to the Naked Gardener and Mike, which is I didn't grow up like this. And I felt this connection and sought it out. But really, it started with a tragedy. Like, I think a lot of people got into this after 2020. Well, mine was earlier in about 2014. Our uh, 18-month-old son had an anaphylactic response to peanuts. And that led me down this rabbit hole to realizing I didn't really know what was in our food. Everything I thought was an ingredient, I realized, had an ingredient list. And so I started me shopping in the meat, dairy or vegetable aisle instead of, you know, walking through uh, the store and browsing the shelves. Everything in there was on the no list. And so we had to learn to cook for ourselves. And that was integral to, you know, my growth. And then the next step, obviously growing. And then the next step is getting chickens. And then yesterday we just processed 21 meat birds. And now my freezer is full of chicken for the year and, and it feels really good.
1: Anybody who hasn't spoke, uh, anybody want to jump in?
9: Tunes, I I can hey. go. Yeah, yeah.
10: Uh,
9: oh, go for sorry, it, Tunes. No. Uh Tunes Union of the Unknowns. Check us out uh, <laughs> podcast and Twitter. Um, I am kind of one foot in the matrix and one foot out of the matrix. Um, I think I'm a good voice for the people that are just starting out. I still work a construction job in the big city, um, but I moved. About sixty-five, seventy miles out into a very rural area. And uh, my advice for anybody starting out: uh, just start slow. Um, I've seen a lot of people. Everybody got a little spooked on uh, COVID twenty twenty, and you know everybody rushed to goats and pigs and you know everything under the sun. And I think a lot of people burnt out real quick. Um, start with a with what you can handle, and don't add too quick. Um, I try to add one animal every year. Uh, we started with chickens. We went to ducks. We went to pigs. Um, we were supposed to do bees this year, but we added a little human instead. So there's a big learning curve on that. Um, uh, but just a message to the people starting out is, uh, I'm with you and, and it's, it's a noble cause, but, uh, T- pace yourself. I'll say that. So it's, it sounds like
1: the more farming you do, the, the more getting laid you do because uh,
9: it seems like everybody's having kids. <laughs> well, Fertility is
2: contagious.
9: We'll get back to nature and nature does what it does, you know? Yeah,
0: well, well, tunes. Uh, tunes though, I want to ask you how many moments have you had where you, you are screaming at the top of your lungs that something's not going right?
9: Uh, <laughs> I probably couldn't count. But, okay. Um, <laughs> Uh, that that's part of it you know the issue is and I'm trying to think of the word for it but um, especially my generation has been so disconnected with uh, nature um, that we're now starting us personally my family is starting from ground zero so uh, we're, we're starting to learn when to start seeds where to start seeds how to when to hatch your chickens everything from ground zero and the learning curve is huge. So it's, it's seasonal. Um, I, I, I start my seeds early one year. I have to wait a whole year to figure out uh, you know, how to do it right the next or try again the next time, not even necessarily do it right. Um, I, the, the biggest uh, example for this is I'm, I'm trying to grow my own cigars. And now I'm three years in growing tobacco. And uh, the first year I grew tobacco, I didn't cure it right. The second year, I, uh, I started the seeds too early, so I, I really didn't get much. And then, the, you know, the third year, I, I, uh, it turns out I'm not too good at, at rolling it. So um, <laughs> um, I, 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 I personally think it's intentional, but they've, they've uh, disconnected us from the uh, heritage learning. And uh, it takes a lot of um, listening to, to the older guys and the uh, more experienced guys to get more in touch with that and, uh, you know, learning again the the skills that our our grandparents, great-grandparents had that
1: it's it's so true when when i was a kid some of you guys might not know but i was born in uh northern portugal on a farm and it was like they my parents grew up on a house with no running water and to, and i can back up what i was saying before my dad's uh raised on a farm he's one of 12 my mom's one of seven so uh you know a lot of kids are coming your way guys and um so but but the thing is like i remember coming back to uh when we we're in america and one day hearing my dad complain about like i wish i was back in portugal and we would go back to portugal every summer that's where i would spend my summers back there uh with a house with no running water and like and I, i'm just like why would you want to be back there you don't have a tv you don't have you know any of these and then as you get older you know you start realizing like you just found appreciation in those little things like my my parents would um you know have the families together uh to make chorizo, you know our sausage uh that my dad makes wine and all these things, you know, were, one thing that they all had in common, it brought people together, you know, and it gave us a reason to, to be together and hang out together in community. And then you start connecting the dots and like, that's what they had there. You know, they didn't, it wasn't just that you were um farming and, and you got to grow your own food, that was great. But you also had community, you know, and you didn't have like our bodies, I, I'm I'm convinced our bodies are designed for physical uh stress. You know, we can deal with that. It's rewarding. It feels good. But when it's when you're dealing with mental stress, when you're at a cubicle and you you turn off your body and you're just dealing with mental stress all day, staring at a screen, you turn into a zombie. Yeah and you know anybody who's done that you could tell it's not rewarding you can get tons of work done on a computer it's not nearly as rewarding as doing the same amount of work outside and and then you see people talk about grounding right like being outside your feet touching the the earth like we're not you know we're disconnected from from mother nature because we think we aren't mother nature and it's like no we we are we're we're a part of it we're all connected and um You know, I bring my kids to the butcher shop, you know, local butcher shops. They understand where food comes from. They see dead animals. They see meat like it's completely normal to them, just like when I grew up watching my parents skin a rabbit for the first time. And it was just like, yeah, that's just normal. Like I didn't see anything wrong with it. And I also had this this illusion that I'm like, oh my parents kill the animals. So they must not like the animals. You know, they must and then you see how, how upset my dad would get when like some chickens went missing or they or some fox or some you know, some coyote got in the yard and kill a chicken. I'm like, Dad, weren't you gonna kill it anyways? Why are you so upset? But it's like you start understanding like They taking the time to raise these animals and because you're eating the animals you're raising, you appreciate the food. You're connected to that food. It's, it's, you're not, it's, it's not because you don't appreciate it. Like you don't take it for granted because you saw it alive and you were a part of that process. You actually enjoyed and appreciate it more. So I think that's a big part of it too. Like it's, it creates community. It, It creates a connection to mother nature. It obviously, you know, the money doesn't grow on trees, but the food that you're spending money on can grow on a tree and you can save some money. So I I think there's a lot of reasons to get involved in in this type of lifestyle. And you'll have more kids. (laughs) That's my pitch.
8: Yeah, and before you know it, you're having a home birth too. So watch out for that.
11: Um, my uh, My girlfriend and I moved into a homestead in October. We've got seven kids between us, so I mean, hopefully not pumping out any, anymore. But uh, <laughs> I was very worried about the collapse of the financial system. Is why I started podcasting, why I started speaking out. And the very first episode I was ever on on Union of They Wanted, very first time I was ever on Charlie Robinson's show, on Sam Tripoli's show, and Actually, I think, I'm not sure about on, on Ricky's, but I talked about this concept known as interest rate risk that eventually when inflation gets out of control, the Federal Reserve is going to be forced to raise rates and then that would then wipe out the underlying collateral. And that's exactly what led to the SVB banking collapse and First Republic and all these others. And so rather than living in this state of fear, it's like going about and doing something about it. And so luckily, I'm friends with guys like Jay Noon, who's you know the best you know one of the best i mean obviously there're lots of heavy hitters here but uh you know just a guy that knows how to do everything and so i being worried about the financial collapse you know they are going to control you through the food and and through the water and through the air and and you know they're poisoning obviously the food and the water and the air and so just in a very short amount of time since october and really a lot of it's been done uh, really in the past few months we've gotten two different chicken coops going uh started off with 30 chickens uh just got a like a 20 by 35 garden going for the chickens. And and really there's a lot as someone that's new that's not trained to any of this sort of stuff, there's like all sorts of things that you aren't taking into account when you first start doing this. So this is like basically uh, you know, uh time number four with the garden. It's all started about a month ago with this one garden. But now we've got, uh, and one tip I'd give I have a motion activated sprinkler now, which I didn't even know was even a thing. And so any like little pests that get in there now I get blasted with water. Uh, so I didn't even know that that was a thing. So if someone's out there listening, like that could save you a lot of headache or it could protect your life because people might hear people say, oh, you need to get seeds or you need to get this. Well, you need to practice how to start growing food and how to actually do it. Cause it's one thing to have all this stuff sitting around, you know, in a freezer or in a, you know, Ziploc bag or something, but it's Another thing to actually go out there and actually do this. And so, you know, in a short amount of time, uh, we've been busting our butt over here in Arizona, which it sounds like uh, other people have not had as uh good uh, reviews of doing things in Arizona. But uh, you know, I am in an area where it does get more water and you know, taking into account like how to get uh collect rainwater. This is all sorts of things. Uh but really I it was just fortuitous that this was going on today because I texted Sam about, you know, if he had if he had a need to get it on a guy like Jay and he's like, Oh, actually we're doing a food thing in like two hours. So uh you know, and one last point I wanna make uh you know to kind of plug what Jay's is doing is that with him being such a uh you know threat in the New Hampshire and, and pillar of the New Hampshire Freedom Free State Project, uh the DCYF have Come after his wife. And so, you know, we are, we just filmed a podcast on that. So that's kind of how I ended up here, but I, I'm going to shut up because there's a lot of heavy hitters on here, but I am a guy that was out here worried about what's going on with the financial system and actually going ahead and doing things. And like, and to, to echo what so many people have, have just said, it is very good to be out there doing real work. I'm giving up tons of money by not really doing what my real job is and probably and like for most of the time and then spending. Probably at least 50 50 homesteading versus what the real job is. But I'm way more satisfied, you know, making less money to go out there doing the real stuff and getting back to nature and growing your own food and doing like actual real physical things than, uh, you know, sitting at a computer all day, you know, doing financial stuff. Cause at a certain point, the money is not gonna be worth anything anyway. So, you know, you better, uh, you know, go ahead and do something with the knowledge and, you know, and the money now to invest in, you know, feeding yourself. Because at a certain point, and I'm not trying to put fear out there, but I you know I think 2020 is going to look like a walk in the park when the dollar eventually collapses. And uh, you know, and I said step one would be the day the Fed is forced to raise rates, not because they have to, but because they want to. Because they, sorry, not because they want to, because they have to to stop inflation. And that's exactly what we're seeing right now. And they're putting all sorts of band aids on. Most people aren't aware of the Fed has a facility right now where banks can take bonds that have lost tremendous amount of value and, lent, and loan it out to the Federal Reserve to get 100 cents back on the dollar. So that's the only reason why there hasn't been even a further collapse, and that's called a BTFP program. Anyway, you know, thank you so much for having myself and Jay on, and uh, glad to be here. Good to see you, Tim.
0: Hey, Tim, where in Arizona are you?
11: Uh, I don't want to give the exact okay. location <laughs>
5: where I'm at. But His bunker. I, I, I'll give I'm you not, the bunker address. It don't worry. It's better than I where be. I am. All
10: right.
11: Uh I might say extreme east side, but I'm on, right. I'm I'm in an area that does get more water and more uh, you know, because obviously there's a lot of different concerns out here. So I have, you know, years ago I was doing uh, you know, aeroponic gardening and then, you know, that's a good way to start off if you don't have a lot of space and you know I didn't have a lot of space at at one point. Uh but you know, now getting out there and got a little over an acre. And and to uh Charlie's point, I remember telling Josh Segerson, like, Yeah, we got you know over an acre. And he's like, Oh, what are you gonna do on, you know, one point two five acres? Well, there's a whole hell of a lot you can do. I'm 1.25 acres. Uh, you can keep yourself alive. And also want to give out a shout out to Jim Gale. I remember exactly where I was when I heard your interview with, uh, actually I heard the one with, uh, Mike Adams about a week or two ago and also heard the one on Tinfoil Hat. And I was driving to an Instagram food growing celebrity's house actually while listening to that and was really inspired. And, and really, a lot of it, and Jay has said this too it's not really about growing food as much as about building soil to then create the environment to grow your food. And so I'm, you know, stealing that from Jay, stealing that from Jim. Uh, but, you know, now when I talk to other people, like I have neighbors who have horses. And so I'm trying to say, hey, you know, uh, do you want to go, you know, I can go take your, you know, horse crap and go and make it manure out of it. And it's, you know, it's, Very, very valuable, and the previous owners of this house had horses, and so you know we're you know taking skid steers, moving the manure around to you know be able to uh, grow food more productively. But you know I'm just a finance guy who had no background, no history of any of this stuff, but you know understood the need for it, and and you know in the best time to plan for something to not be in a fear state is before you need to do it. So uh, so right now you still have some time, but the time is running out. I mean, I mean if you weren't woken up in 2020. I don't know what people are waiting for at this point to do it.
5: Last time I saw you, Tim, the world was so normal. Is that like three weeks <laughs> before? Yeah, February book, 20, 2020. February 2020, yeah. Yeah, and then the fucking wheels fell off. Huh? <laughs> um,
11: but maybe I'll we need to what. see each other again in person and it will go back to normal. Maybe that's maybe yeah. As
5: it, it, frustrating as all of this is, it forces us to kind of get honest about how detached from... Our own survival, we really kind of have allowed ourselves to get like, I'm functionally retarded when it comes to this (laughs) stuff. You know what I mean? Like, it's, I have to admit it. I have to, there's, I have a lot to learn. And I think there's a lot of people like me out there that are just having this epiphany like, oh, if it really gets bad, I'm dying in the first (laughs) wave for sure, you know? And this is kind of embarrassing. So I love it when we get all you guys together because. You're all doing something a little bit different, and it's like pooling resources, and, and somebody can come here because they think they want to learn about seeds and then understand that there's an entire marketplace trading hay. You know what I mean?
2: I think Adam so, might have started in an apartment. Is that true, Adam? The first time I talked to you, you, had, you were having like a farmer's market in your house, and I was like, well, how many acres do you have? You're like an eighth of an acre. <laughs> Is that correct?
12: Yeah, I just lived in a in a house in suburban Portland with a decent sized backyard.
2: And now you're I actually visited your homestead which was huge and a little intimidating. There's a lot of, you know, you really even just to start from scratch it seemed like there was stuff you had to clear out, old buildings and you know, I mean, just to get to zero seemed like a tremendous amount of work. And I just wonder how you got from from how you even like planted the first seed and your eighth of an acre to and what it's happening now.
12: Um, I mean it's still a massive work in progress. Um I'm lucky enough that I was able to I didn't want to be any place that people could I mean I lived in suburban Portland. I didn't want to be anywhere that people could walk to my house. So um we live way up at the northwest tip of Oregon now. Um it's not not what everybody thinks of when they think of Oregon. It's uh, if you put a sack over somebody's head and took them to my place, they'd probably think they're in like the Ozarks or Appalachia or something like that. Um, super based up here. I spend most of my time up here and in, in Southwest Washington and none of the, none of the, none of the dumb stuff went on up here. He didn't have to do any of it. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's uh it's a struggle every day. I had a really rough week this last week. I uh, I raised sheep and, they just die and get hurt all the time. And so um, I didn't really want to come on today, but I'll do it for you, Monica. Um, so, yeah, um, it's just uh, I'm lucky enough I don't have to work a day job anymore. My wife does does really well at her job. So um, I get to spend, spend my time out here uh, working 12-hour days taking care of animals and remodeling a house and, you know, Doing stuff like that every day, so it's it's. I'm uh,
2: super sorry that you lost the sheep, and Ricky was just saying that that how much that can hurt.
12: Yeah, I didn't lose one this week. I uh, one of them broke its leg, and it was like all my fault. So I feel terrible. What do you
2: do with that? I mean, isn't that the same as losing it?
12: No, you can fix their legs. Oh,
2: really? It's not a horse. Okay, I think like animal. I'm like Charlie. Like that, just I don't know. Like, he's like they're all the same to me. She's
0: putting bullets in every harmed animal. She's like, yeah. I, I'm <laughs> hey gonna man, say that I, Chief's lucky he's <laughs> not living here because I mean, he's lucky. <laughs> Got a different owner, but my husband sprained his ankle, so I shot him. <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: I mean, I see stuff. I go to an aquarium and I like immediately just have to have sushi immediately. Like I, I cannot <laughs> see an animal and not think of what it would taste like.
7: Hey, I want to share something about our strategy for food security because everybody knows if we're the only ones growing food in a food supply chain collapse, that is not food security. That's you'll have to have an army of people to protect your food, which sounds like hell actually the way that we're doing it. And it's so exciting to share. This is we're reaching out very strategically to our community. We're reaching out to the administration people at, at the public buildings which I don't get any permits for anything we do, right? We're very open about that. Um, we put a food forest in a school and we're inviting pe- people over to our farm and everybody leaves with sweet potatoes and a few spinaches and a few things to start growing food. But what that's done is it's created a community of growers and it's, it's going exponential. It, it feels like every single grower, now two of their friends wanna start growing food. And so to me, food security is when all your neighbors are growing food and maybe they have a pistol on their, on their side while they're in the garden. Just want to share that. Wild Bill. Hey, what's
10: going on, everybody? Uh, thanks for having me on. Uh, I guess I have a question for uh, some of the guys who have been in this longer y'all have a really good understanding and mastery of of how to make the environment good and, and conducive to growing food what is the solution in your opinions for the environment that's out of your control because i'm up in the idaho panhandle and we get sprayed like nobody's business every day i mean we get absolutely crushed out here it'll be a sunny day you look up and then it's you know four hours later and everything's just silver so what is what is the solution for that? It delayed our, our growing and harvesting two and a half months last year because it was so cold and wet all spring. So that's my question for whoever wants to answer it. I, I don't know what the solution is, but I know it pisses me off every time I go out and it's a nice day. And then, <laughs> you know, it turns.
2: Not just, everybody I mean, sees it. No, talking, like no. I, I've talked to like Bellamy Fitzpatrick. She's like, yeah, I'm not really sure what you're we talking about. We get crushed like, up what? here.
10: Yeah, we get annihilated up here. It's everywhere. I mean, does
2: everyone here see that the connection between the spraying and the cloud cover and the weather changing like that? I mean, yeah, our yeah. here
8: don't see it. It's super Washington. bad yeah. in the
12: Northwest. It's really Yeah, we're, we're getting yeah.
8: sprayed constantly and it's like not raining like it's supposed to. No. So I'm already watering the garden. And so it's yep. the opposite. We get sprayed and then the clouds clear and it leaves, yeah, that silver and the halo around the sun. That, yeah, that LA, can drive you it's crazy. It's
2: ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, they bring torrential rain. It's really messed up. I, I Absolutely, there's no doubt in my mind. But you no. guys can really see no. the impact.
8: So it is a good question. I wonder how people keep their sanity when you can see that, and you see that th- there's so much outside of your control. Or where I live, our neighbors are raspberry farmers, and they have different idea of what it is to, uh, you know, raise food. And they're spraying stuff that I don't want on my land. You know, how do you reconcile that, um, and just kind of. I don't know. You don't want to keep your head down because I want to look at the sky. I mean, there's so much to be gained from knowing the weather outside instead of looking at a phone. But how, I mean, at the same time, like how do you, you got to stay focused on what you're working on and what you can control? Because I think you can like go crazy uh, about all the stuff that you are is outside of your control.
7: There are three things that I've been working on. One, I bought this unit and I don't know if it works for sure because I don't get the technology, but it's some kind of Tesla-esque system that is supposed to be a chem buster. It's made of copper, it's got organite and tensor technology. And I've taken videos of the sky multiple times above my farm and the sky around it, and it does seem to have an effect. And then my favorite is building soil. When you have an incredibly rich and diverse soil, it does something to the atmosphere around the place. Everybody who comes to Sunday says, it feels good here. And I think that that is like building the immune system. There's something infinitely powerful in building up the diversity in the land itself.
3: Yeah, I'd like to to, uh, riff. Yeah, could I could I jump on with uh, with Jim there and and go? I think he's absolutely right, and uh, I would add another um, uh, another element. Yeah, for sure. The I mean, fin- Finland leads the world now in documenting the uh, the relationship between healthy soil and healthy immune systems all to the to the extent that they're actually trying to figure out how to how to export farm compost and soil to the city for kids to roll around in and 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 inhale. And so I think for example in the US uh somebody needs to start a business making um making a permeable welcome mat stuff full of uh rich farm soil and compost with a subscription service into the city. That uh, once a quarter will come and we'll pour out the old, we'll dump in new, uh, new stuff in your welcome mat bladder, so the dog and the cat and the kids can walk through it, stomp through it, and and get, and get some good uh, farm co- soil and compost on them. Uh, the uh, so so yeah, I, I couldn't agree with Jim more. Jim's dead on here. But the one thing that that I'll I'll just add another is is sweat, your own personal sweat uh, is one of the best ways to detoxify. And so when you're out there working, uh, you, you get a double, you know, um, you, you get, you get the soil, the Im- immunization of all that and the microbial activity to feed your microbiome. But then you actually are working and you sweat and the sweats not the number one way to detoxify. So, um, so you, you, you put that together and you're working outside, you're sweating and, and uh, ultimately, you are you are focusing all your attention on something that's within your control and you're not getting ulcers and cancers worrying about stuff that's outside of your control.
1: Absolutely. I, I, uh, I'm i a big believer of that. I love the heat. I, I work outside. Um, we have a little family construction company. I play basketball, soccer. I'm constantly outside sweating and I feel my best after you get you know all your pores open up you're just drenching and it's like you just right. feel so good you feel like you said you and I tell people I mean this is based on this is bro science I would just say I'm like I'm like it feels like you're detoxing I'm like I I'm not sure if if you are but I'm like you definitely feel like you are you feel clean clear uh, you just feel just better and um you know a lot of people say that you can't sweat out a sickness or whatever I'm like you can't, you can't argue the fact that many people, when they're sick, they go, they sweat, they get a workout in and they feel better. I'm like, you, maybe you can't, nobody studied it or proved it scientifically, but you can't you know deny the fact that many people have the same type of response. Um, Anthony, I know you wanted to jump in, right? And uh, you had something to, to add?
13: Yeah, so I'm very, very new at this. We've, uh, we bought our property two years ago, but only moved here full time uh, about a year ago and i'm I think we're very fortunate because we have our own water supply from a spring we also have river frontage um, so we don't have to and we have a pretty healthy septic system so we don't really have to rely on much in terms of municipal resources but the one the question I had is about power so I have a pump system that brings water to my house from the spring, and I would love to get off of um commercial electric service and i've been looking at both like propane fueled options and solar based systems to uh, produce power for i have a house i have a shop and then i have the pump all of which run off independent breaker boxes and i'm wondering if anybody has gone down this road and what your thoughts are of you know propane versus solar or potentially some other option um to create your own power
0: hey ricky can i jump in on this one Absolutely. Yeah.
14: Anthony. Yeah. So I'm right, right where you're at in that same process. So, um, it's kind of funny. I grew up on a farm. My dad made me work my ass off. I moved to the city and I'm back on farm. (laughs) So it's kind of fun, but I don't, unlike you, I don't want to rely on electricity. Uh, The reality is, is I thought, well, I'm going to put in a thousand gallon propane tank. I'll get a thousand gallons of diesel, but eventually that stuff's going to run out. Right. So that's not sustainable. And, you know, propane leads to fracking and it's just where it all comes from. So if we're that's really trying exactly to. That's stu- exactly the concern that I have. Yeah. And the same thing with solar. And I talked about this with Jim Gale. It's like solar is terrible on the planet. They're mining and then there's slavery and there's, there's it's not good stuff in Africa going on with solar and the technology's not right where it needs to be. So it's not really a good sustainable thing. So actually, one of the guys on my team that developed our water technology is also a, it really into bacteria, soil microbiome. And um, he suggested an, actually an algae pond as an example where you can make this algae pond in like a 16 foot by 16 foot deal and the algaes produce methane and you can take a converter and you can take a guess, a generator that would run on propane, convert it to methane. That's one option. And then there's another one. He's going to come up actually and help me build. We're going to make a composter and the composters also produce, I believe, I haven't done this yet, but it's methane. And then we're going to... Convert that and then entrap it. So where the pa- where I have my master panel that runs the, b- the big shop that there's and and, and uh, at a home and everything else and the pumps and the wells and all that stuff. We're gonna build a little a little building that's gonna keep my generator nice and clean. And then next to it, I'm gonna build a big composter so that I can actually take solar power off of the sun. Which you know when people burn firewood as an example, what you're doing is you're you're burning the sun's energy. Because the sun's comes down here and it's captured on the leaves of plants and photosynthesis and you build up this wood. Well, you're burning the wood, you're burning the carbon, and then you're creating heat, right? So which could generate energy. Just same thing where you could take compost, whether it's grass, uh, a.k.a. weeds or other plant materials and stuff, com- and you make compost, you make the gas, use that to power everything, and then what you're left over with is a byproduct of compost, that you can then use to grow more stuff so that's i'm actually in the process of doing this right now which sh- i could work together with if you wanted to on this because I'm, I'm going all in on it
13: yeah i'd be really interested in learning more about that because i have a lot of those kind of resources i mean our spring fills a large pond on our property so there's a lot of algae um, especially in the late summer that pond actually Sometimes when we have a hot summer, it will actually dry up completely in the late summer and then come back when the rain starts again. But most of the year, it has a lot of algae and things like that on it. Um, and we're in, a, we're in a valley that floods every winter, um, kind of off and on it floods. Um, so I right now, I have a relationship with uh, a local farmer that I have a family connection to who he puts cows on my land um, in the spring and summer months, and then he harvests hay off my back field in exchange for a small amount of cash and a large amount of meat. So I have like two freezers full of meat um, from him from this from this relationship. Um, so I've got manure, I've got algae. <laughs> I've got it rains a lot here, so I've got lots of I've got lots of green here. Um, so yeah. I would love to have options. I mean the other thing I've looked at with solar is these panels have actually a fairly short lifespan and batteries tend to have a fairly short lifespan in addition to all the the harmful collateral effects that you mentioned, it's actually not very good technology from what I've learned from my research. And like you, I worry about, okay, if we have a supply chain problem and I'm reliant on propane or diesel, what do I do if I can't get propane or diesel?
14: Yeah, absolutely. So that's, you know, and some people may not physically be able to go cut their own firewood or do this kind of stuff. So like maybe these algae systems, maybe somebody will start a business and start selling these things. We're gonna do tests on my land. I I bought my mom and dad's farm, and we're we're going completely off grid because I I. It's funny because I've been helping people with their health and gut microbiome, trying to get to the root of the issue. But the bottom line is the root of the issue is the soil. Our our whole entire focus of everybody on this 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 uh, podcast tonight should be talking about like you know growing your food and all that stuff. But it's the soil. We really have to focus on the soil and pollution. Soil and pollution. How can we keep cleaning things up, using nature to clean things up? And we also have to provide our own power. So we need so we need good quality soil to grow stuff and we really need to create sustainable power at home. And uh, by doing those two things, that's how you become free.
13: I'm gonna put my email in the chat. I'd love to communicate with you more about this and learn about the progress that you've made. Um, cause I also have access to a lot of wood cause I have, I have like a little forest on my land and we've got plenty of wooded space here. So I have a lot of resources I could potentially bring to play for, you know, whatever system we, uh, we eventually, uh, come to, but I'm trying to figure out what, what the best option is for me. Okay.
14: I'll drop my email in for everybody.
9: While we're on this topic real quick, can I just, uh, throw out, um, hydroelectric i don 't know enough to speak on it, but I have seen some setups where they dam off a stream and then if you can get the vertical drop of the water, you can harness that energy of the the water behind the dam vertically dropping to spin an inverter or something along those lines so i don 't know if that 's an option for you I just wanted to throw it out there
13: i 'm um, not sure i 'm not sure if that 's going to be an option for us because one of the things that happened shortly after I moved here is we had a somewhat ominous Event with our with our state government. I'm in southwestern Oregon uh, in a small town that's actually um, very very conservative. You know, very great community. But every land agricultural landowner in this entire region got summoned to a meeting with the state, some state agency um, that gave us a very ominous warning about um, what they want to do to supposedly preserve and protect. The damage that farmers are doing to the waterways in our uh, in, in our area, um, which was a, a fairly heated heated meeting, which is a whole a uh, whole different story. But I think that they're keeping a close eye and you know taking aerial photos and things like that to see what people are doing with what access they have to waterways from their land. As I mentioned, I have I have river access here, but um, I got to be careful what I do with it, given you know what the authorities are doing around here.
14: Well, when it when it comes to water, this is one of the reasons why everybody needs to go back to wild farming, basically permaculture, because you're going to reduce your water by 50, usage by 50% right out of the gate. Like literally 50% gone. That means 50% less diesel it needs to pump or or energy, you know, using electricity to pump those pumps to so you're using less resources, way less resources and it's way less um uh tractor work, way less man hours. And it goes back to what Jim's doing at Food Forest Abundance. I mean, I you know, I like a lot of people here. You have to clean everything up to get everything built right, putting your infrastructure in place. But the reality is, is every year I can go up here on the Mount Emily and I can pick huckleberries. They're growing every year. I can pick morel mushrooms there every year. I got elderberries every year. I'm gonna think about it. they're there. Nature's doing it 24 seven, three sixty five, and that's what we all need to create in our our, our you know in our, our our own area, in our lawns and stuff. I actually had a guy that I had on my show. He, him and his brother, just for fun, did a little half acre garden, and they're feeding. 15 families besides their own. And they didn't even plan on that. They're just, they have so much food and they don't even know anything about like the water systems that we know and the mycelium am- amendments and all the different things that, that we've, we've learned since then. And they were already feeding 15 people on a half, 15 families, excuse me, on a half acre.
1: Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm sure you guys know the story of the gangster gardener, um, he i remember, i don't know if you guys have seen his TED talk or any he's been on the Rogan podcast before really interesting guy and he basically didn't have any money so started growing a garden in a little grass strip in front of his apartment uh you know basically between the concrete and and the curb he had a little bit of grass strip and started growing stuff and opened it up to the community then they wanted to shut him down because he couldn't garden there or whatever it wasn't his property and then he became famous so he won but he uh, he always um, he, I remember him mentioning, and it was a very good point. And I'm sure probably some of you guys have thought about this before. But like all these cosmetic trees that they they plant everywhere, like why not put an apple tree pear tree? I have a pear tree in my yard. I do absolutely nothing to it. And it, I get tons of pears every year. I mean, I let all the neighborhood kids come grab them. I'm like, hey, when they're on the ground or you see one, just go pick it. I'm like, don't worry. We have plenty of them. So... Just, you know, so in the, in the summer, we'll have kids just in my yard, randomly just grabbing pears, bringing them home to mom. And, um, and I'm just like, if you had these type of trees everywhere, I mean, you would have less homeless people starving, <laughs> you know, and, uh, you could just grab some food instead of, so uh, so it, yeah, the, I mean, things like that, little solutions like that are definitely things that we should entertain. I, I wanted to, um, also give, uh, Nate and I'm sorry, when people leave the, the the show I have a hard time finding out where they are where they're located now. Nate's in the corner now, so Nate and Matt also, um, so everybody m- gets a chance to to speak. But Nate, uh, you've been on the call for a while now. Ask a question, share your story, expand on any of the topics we've been uh, discussing. Uh, feel free to do any of that.
15: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, thank you all for having me on here. And uh, I feel a little bit like Tunes. I feel like I'm one foot in, one foot out. Sort of. I work a lot, um, but the biggest thing I did was I moved my family out of the city and to rural Oregon. Actually, I'm not too far from uh, Adam uh, up in northwest uh, Oregon. Uh, I'm a big advocate for agorism and permaculture. I try my best, you know, like we got chickens. We just had a kid too. So kind of like Tunes as well. We got a year and a half year old. Um, And so I guess the biggest thing that we've been doing here is just Growing what we can, uh, like fruit trees, like you're doing, Ricky. I just I threw up uh, some apple trees, uh, some nectarines, uh, you know, just salmonberries, uh, raspberries, thimbleberries, huckleberries. Um, we're just trying to do our thing, and and uh, kind of similar to a lot of people here. I think 2020. Uh, I, I I was a chef for like 16 years. And so I was watching like food prices and I was watching how things like the supply chain was being affected and things like that. So I kind of went a little crazy. I used all my Trump bucks, you know, the and uh, I ended up buying uh, just tons of like beans and rice and guns and ammo and things like that. And just so I just kind of turned more into a little bit of a prepper. I've got a little bit of uh, land out here. Not much. I got got a nice little size yard where I'm trying to do the gardening thing. Um, So I kind of feel like I'm not in this, but I'm having a great time listening to you guys and I'm getting really inspired. So...
16: Matt. I, would, I, I would echo that uh, there uh, about just listening to you guys and being really inspired i can't believe i'm on a, a panel right now with with joel salatin and, and looking at him and and you know the reason why i planted a garden in the first place was because of you and and you know reading your books folks this ain't normal and and you know everything i want to do is illegal and it, that just kind of kind of seems like my life right now uh we, everything i want to do is illegal we live in a uh, a town that's slowly becoming a city there's um w- what's going to be a 15-minute city uh coming up right in our town not too far from us um tuscan village uh we're here in, in salem new hampshire and you know there's a little hospital there there's restaurants there there's there's clothing stores there basically everything that you can get to is going to be within 15 minutes so we're looking to pull further north into new hampshire towards like the rumney area um a little bit more past uh, the the lakes the situation i have is i have a totally normy wife and and she works for a hospital and it's it's tough to 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 try and talk her out of uh you know wanting to be in that situation and to say hey man let's go and get a trailer or something small and some property and 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 just you know live live off the land and and you know i can do my job my job i travel around new hampshire all day which is absolutely awesome so you know it's it's kind of you know one foot in the matrix one foot out of the matrix we're, you know we're having fun doing it um if if somebody else is in a situation like like i'm in i'm on about an acre and a half of property um just gonna take take chunks of your land and and grow uh, i i have potatoes growing in the back right now that i didn't even have to to plant this year because i guess i missed a few when i harvested in the fall and all of a sudden that you know i just i see these potato plants growing up out of the out of the dirt right now um so yeah i mean that's that's my story right now i'm just kind of kind of more annoyed. i never dreamed that i'd hop on and i'd be seeing joel salatin and then my favorite co-host of free talk live jay noon right there um, it's great man nice to meet you jay <laughs> i listened to you quite a bit so um yeah thanks for having me on
5: oh hey. matt you've got to plug your spices though oh yeah <laughs> you've that, got that's to. going
16: through that's going through a big um sort of change right now i'm kind of streamlining everything down i have 12 blends out there right now um i want to bring that down to about four or five blends four or five that are just really really you know kick-ass kind of all-purpose seasoning blends Um, uh, but nhspices.com is the name of the the company, um, Grand State Spice Blends, or Any Spices, is the name of the website, and you know we do everything, you know, small batch. I fire up the the pit outside all year long and toast off the seeds out there, toast off my chili peppers, get everything kind of nice and nice and crunchy before I, I grind it all up into powders and you know we got a whole bunch of different different blends that are pretty good for for everything you know we try and use organic fair trade whenever we possibly can i'm more into the fair trade than i am the organic because there's anything really organic now like we were talking about you know chemtrails in the sky right and and what do we do about that uh, the, the, I don't think there's anything organic. We just had a 90 degree day last week, followed by uh, it was like mid 40s uh, uh, over the weekend. Uh, first thing in the morning, and pouring rain. So everything that was getting sprayed up there just came pouring down on us. So you just you just know, keep keep your head down, keep chugging away, and control what you can control within your four walls.
5: And uh, Matt, always yeah, I'm proud to proclaim that I was one of the test subjects uh, of Matt's spices. Few of you here were, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He sent me the taco spice. Well, he sent me. Oh my he sent gosh! am like hooked a, on that. A, a <laughs> box of it, and and it. W- I was like, well, I'm not much of a cook. My wife and and mother in law came over, put it together, and I was like, well. And they're like, this is good. So you got their approval. they and they I know what they're talking awesome. about. They watch all the shows.
2: That taco spice blend, I'm absolutely hooked on, and it's absolutely. annoying because my husband prefers it to mine, which he taught me how to make.
16: Yeah. You know, Listen. So he's like,
2: "Oh, who made this?" I'm like, "What? Matt made it. <laughs> the what? guy
16: from New Hampshire. Yeah, <laughs> totally disloyal.
2: I know. I can't even tell him that. That I think he would. He would be too prejudiced as a Texan. But the the thing about the trails and the what they're spraying, people have asked me for years, like, "Oh, why would they do that? Why would they do that?" And I'm starting to think that a main reason why is the you know, food air. And water are not really genuinely scarce. And the whole way you get hyper profitability or control over society or whatever is scarcity. So if they can make it impossible for people to just grow, I mean, you, you don't need the system at all if you can just grow your food and drink your water. They make laws against collecting rainwater and, I, and it's contaminated, it seems like. And I think it was reason enough to screw up the ability for people to just grow food for them to mess with the weather like that.
5: They've got a seed vault in Norway. What? Say it again. Or They've got a seed vault in Svalbard, Norway, 400 feet up a mountain and 300 feet into a mountain that was financed by the Rockefeller Foundation and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation and Syngenta and the Norwegian government. And they've got millions and millions and millions of authentic, organic, real seeds stored away there. Away from us, pores. That's reality. That's what's going on. Because
2: they're contaminating all the seeds.
5: And, and yeah, with that so they've too, got, with, a, with, they've got a, a stash in case they need it on their planet.
16: With, with the seeds being contaminated, the skies being contaminated. One thing that's so important for for all of us to do is, uh, you know, w- what we have going on here. But not only that, but but getting hyper local and just and I don't know if you guys have talked about this already because I came on an hour late. I'm, I'm sorry I had, a, I had a gig tonight that I had to had to work, but community is is so important. Get to know a local farmer right We, we have farmers here in New Hampshire. I, I, I know a farmer that will take silver from me. you know, find you know alternative means of bartering. Um, you know bring bring something to the table that you can offer to a community, and then in turn you'll be able to take and you'll kind of have some nice, you know, sort of symbiotic thing going with, with the people in your area. I I heard someone talking about, you know, people growing things and and trading and whatnot. And that's, that's spot on. That's, that's what we need to do. You know, we need, you need to get away from the the fiat system and, and just kind of, kind of hunker down and, and, and just, you know, love one another again, I guess.
8: Yeah, Matt, totally, exactly. And like what Anthony was talking about where he's got somebody, um, that you know, basically rents some of his field and grazes his cows there. So he's getting the benefit of the cows grazing and the cows pooping on his land and he's getting beef off of it. He's getting meat. It's like every one of us can do something that connects us better to our local commu- community with people who are already doing this. So what Monica, Charlie, Sam, wherever you guys in the city, you can get a hold of a farmer somewhere somewhat nearby you and get a, a half or a quarter of a cow of grass-fed beef. And you can pay less than you would pay at the store to get that. You could get chicken locally. You could get, uh, we have a half of a pig in the freezer now, and then learn how to do things with that stuff that you get and use it. And then that keeps you from supporting systems you don't agree with, like going to the grocery store to buy meat that has an undesirable ingredients or hormones or things that you don't like but beyond that you're supporting a local industry and you're getting to know you're forming relationships so if there is a situation you know you're on their list you know these people and then you find ways to start doing things you know hopefully without cash what do i have that you need and we can just trade it's just a really natural evolution and well, then when again, you do
16: get this stuff, do not let it go to waste. Learn nose to tail. Learn learn to take those scraps of those vegetables and turn it into vegetable stock. And then take that and dry it out and pulverize it and throw it in your garden and use it as fertilizer. Don't waste anything. There's so much waste that happens in this world right now, and and it needs to stop. And and it's just yeah, it's it's it's, it's got to change. You know, we we we've all got to change, and we've got to take these little steps. And a small community, I think, is going to be the best way to do it. To take those steps.
4: Yeah. Well,
5: yeah, well, let's we're we're running up against the clock. I think since we've got such a big group, let's take some time right now to uh, make sure that everybody uh, plugs their um, what they're working on, talks about w- what they're doing. Let's actually let's start with you, Matt. Since we were just on there, T- talk about where people can go to support your spice business. It's fantastic. I can tell you, I mean, no bullshit. You sent it. I mean, yeah, you sent it to me for free, but it's great
2: it's
5: good stuff it's good stuff thank you very much vote with your dollars support people that you know are doing the things that make sense line up with your ideology and and i know matt you've been on macroaggressions like you know you're just a dude that wants to make great food and keep everybody healthy and fed and like holy shit that's fantastic so i hope people will consider supporting your spice company
16: and that's it then. Yeah, I just wanna make good food and I wanna keep people happy. Uh, it's New Hampshire spices nh spices.com granite state spice blends is the the name of the business um, this, this summer coming up starting in July you'll find me on Saturdays in Pelham New Hampshire uh, three main Street at the farmers market in Pelham it's a quaint little community with with a rotary and you know it's a great group of, of libertarians that, that run the thing and it's just a, an absolutely awesome farmers market uh, you'll find me there you'll find some chicken chicken dealers there you'll find some vegetable dealers there there's some soap dealers so it's a good good little time in pelham new hampshire and then nhspices.com uh vagabond chef 79 is on twitter and that's where i get a little cuckoo and talk about marvin he happy uh post uh killdoze day <laughs>
5: <laughs> i don't know about those chicken
16: traders though they're kind of sketchy <laughs> i don't
5: know uh, hey lanny what about your um You've got amazing programs. Can you, let's talk about what you're working on and let everybody know where they can uh, find your work.
8: Oh yeah, sure. Thank you. I'm Lanny with Greener Postures. Everything's on greenerpostures.com. Greener Postures on Instagram and Twitter. And what I'm doing is these online workshops. They're about two hours long and we jump on Zoom live and I have everything set up in my kitchen. So you get to go through these recipes with me. I've done home canning, fermented vegetables for food preservation, fermented beverages, which is really fun. And I've got these coming up. So end of June, I've got a fermented vegetables live and end of July, there'll be another beverages. And there's one, two, three, four, five people at least that are in here that have been to these before. And it's really fun. And then you get access to my uh, group chat afterwards so that we can all share what we're working on and keep each other updated on our progress. And it's just... It's great because how do we take control back a little bit from systems that we don't agree with? And that is just by learning to do things that uh, will keep uh, the the food fresh for longer. So you don't have to worry about that. And then there's a lot of other aspects. And I also have a podcast, the Greener Postures podcast, where I'm talking about all these things. And uh, June's all about fermentation. So if you're interested in learning more about the natural microbes that are existing and how to use them to your advantage, uh, check out the podcast.
5: Awesome. The more independent we can be the better... And uh, Tim Pachot is managing money, and he does it in a different way. He's looking at this world in a, you know, from a conspiracy theorist point of view, which we appreciate the hell out of, and uh, managing money accordingly because you know what's going on because you're not watching CNN. So what's going on, Tim?
11: Uh, yeah, well, I'm going to say CNBC because I call that CNBS. But, you know, I spent the past decade talking a lot about geopolitics and financial stuff and conspiratorial stuff. But really, what intrigues me the most are these conversations. And so I'm looking at starting a separate channel um, where my girlfriend and I are going to call it the TNT Homestead uh, because she's Tina. i she, uh, actually learned the risk.org. I'm Tim. So TNT put it together. And, you know, but because everyone that pays attention to all the politics and all this other shit, like what we pay our attention to matters. And so, even though I'm on video predicting Trump would win in 2016 and they blame it on the Russians and why they blame it on the Russians. And on video at Anarchapoco, last time I saw Charlie saying that Trump would lose because they'd steal the election. And I had the states they would steal on a PowerPoint ahead of time. I don't care about any of this shit. And so I don't know anyone else that has that type of track record, but ultimately, none of that stuff's gonna matter when everything hits the fan. And so Getting prepared and doing these types of things and opting out of the system and, you know, the agorism, uh, you know, that is going to be what's most important. And, you know, I did like how Jim Gale, when he was on, uh, Mike Adams recently, he kept calling, referring to government as governmente because, you know, govern, uh, gubernere and mente put it together from Latin is mind control. And so ultimately, you know, we, what we pay our attention to, but yeah, okay. I know lots of people here, the com is where you can find, uh, all the, Crazy stuff that we post about. So, uh, th- thank you guys for having Thanks, me. Tim. and Thank you for Jay coming on.
5: Thanks, too. Tim. Uh, Tim James is making great stuff over Chemical Free Body, but everybody knows that. You're m- muted.
14: Dude. I guess that was my cue. Yeah, Tim tip. James, chemicalfreebody.com. Uh, healed myself 12 years ago um, of severe gastrointestinal issues. Um, I lost 42 pounds, got rid of my psoriasis or my eczema, and watched my friend uh, do this with me as he healed chronic lymphocytic leukemia, which is supposedly a cancer that was supposed to take his life. Since then, I've coached hundreds hundreds of people, and I've been focused, like I said, on gut health for people. And that's what we do. We have doctor formulated detox and nutrition products to get the chemtrails out of you and keep them out. Literally, I literally have a product called Toxin Detox that was developed just because of the chemtrails. My grandfather died of Alzheimer's, and I will not go down that road for myself or my children. And um, now we're moving into uh, cleaning up people's water and getting into agriculture with Jim. And I'm actually going to be joining Jim Gale's team with Food Forest Abundance, and uh, awesome. we're we're going to be a hub up here in northeastern Oregon.
5: Get, that's fantastic. That's great news. Um. And let's see, is Jim still on? Yep. Let's, let's go to Jim.
7: All right. So foodforestabundance.com, we have no patents, no NDAs, no non-competes. We are 100% open source. Anything you see from us is yours, and we're all about collaborating. We're all about bringing all these incredible knowledges and wisdom to the world at scale and changing the freaking world because it needs to change.
5: Absolutely. Fantastic, Adam. What's cooking with uh Deborah? Deborah gets red pilled. i uh, was just
12: taking a break from the show for a while. Yeah, not really interested in any of that stuff anymore. Um, yeah. you can just uh, follow my wife and I at um, Rising Tide Homestead.
5: One word on Instagram. That's it. Dude, I love it. I love it. For what it's worth, that show's fantastic, though. And I feel yeah. bad for Deborah sometimes.
2: Was a genius premise.
5: The <laughs> genius premise. Uh, Jay, where can people find you? I didn't know that hay trading was even a thing until tonight.
0: Jay, you're muted, oh, buddy. I mute. Uh oh.
1: He's not really uh, muted. It's a.
2: It
0: doesn't problem. say he's muted.
1: He uh, did. Was playing with the,
2: the computer. mic cell. is not connected.
13: Computer's yeah. broke.
2: Snap, Jay. <laughs>
1: Speaking of
4: chemtrails. Well, I
2: will say that since he's got a little right, about there.
4: this There you go.
13: There
5: we I
4: go. To there we go. I'm gonna be everything. in New
2: Hampshire. I want to meet you, Jay.
4: Yes, yes. You should come to my place. It's in Henneker, New Hampshire. Um the the most important thing I really gotta say, I got like a million things going on. Um maybe Tim could uh link uh the show to you guys that we just recorded. Uh, cuz uh that's important too but the most important thing we got to do is invest in our posterity so I'm actually uh this is like I've never really used Zoom until about 2 months ago um and I'm working on a series of uh, a lecture of lectures uh titled invest in our posterity I have one that I've nearly completed already it uh I'm calling it don't let your babies grow up to be device junkies but Basically, what's happening is we. I, I would really like to in, encourage you guys to somehow slip into your frame of influence that people pay attention to the dopamine hit that their kids are getting. Our kids need to earn their dopamine hit and um, the Internet devices are a free dopamine hit. Uh, They are basically digital cocaine. If you don't want your 14-year-old using cocaine, you shouldn't have your your, uh, under-six-year-old on an Internet device. There's some super scary stuff happening with uh, the Internet devices and the children. Um, If I could go back in time and do anything, it would say get people off the Internet, even if it meant I couldn't tell myself about Bitcoin 10 years ago. Uh, (laughs) That's, like, just more important. Um, The generations are growing up to be essentially algorithmic slaves, The first guy I heard say that was Tim Pochette, as he was talking about a friend of ours. And um, and he's 100 percent right. Uh, When Internet devices are being used with kids, um, they are um, stimulating the part of the same, the addiction part of the brain. And they're going to be and they're going to grow up to just do what the Internet tells them. That's why I think Joe Biden won last time. That's why I think Joe Biden's going to win again, because the the people are going to vote for whoever the the algorithmic slaves are going to vote for whoever the algorithm uh, tells them to vote for, um, where can I, we find uh, you? Uh, com is my website, J-A-Y-N-O-O-N-E.com. Um, also, uh, uh, a Thursday night co-host on uh free talk live. Uh, I, I, uh, took three years off of free talk live because, uh, we had some kids and my wife said I can go back to doing free talk live a few months ago. So I've been doing that. And, um, <clears throat> if any of you are around New Hampshire and you have kids, you want to come to, uh, Tuesday is our man camp day, and we teach all we teach kids farming. Uh, just like Joe said, we want to bring the soil to the city. Well, we bring the, the city kids to the soil out in the country right here. And, That's awesome, and, and they have a great time. Um, uh, and uh, I would also want to encourage if any of you guys have you have skilled people listening to you. You have people who are welders, blacksmiths, farmers, carpenters, framers, whatever that are following you. Mechanics encourage those guys to put to do their own man camp to get kids from their community come into their place as young as possible to learn whatever skill. I have had great success with with allowing six year old kids, uh, several of them, to forge iron in my blacksmithing shop. I'm going to wow. sell. Them man camp set up where we're going to have the blacksmithing forge set up and the the anvil uh, up at pork fest pork fest is uh like um june it's like the third week in june uh freestateproject.org i believe is the website you can or, or just internet search pork fest but uh we really need to get young kids learning skills and learning to love to work and i think it is child abuse to not raise your kids alongside a set of chickens (laughs) um, <laughs> thank you,
5: thank you, Jay. You
4: know,
5: we love you, brother. Thank you. Hey, Tunes, where can people find your work? I, uh, I'm with uh, Union of the Unknowns. Uh, we run a podcast
9: similar to this style, but we are just unknowns that came together from Monica's Discord. Uh, Union of dot com. Union of the Unknowns on Twitter.
0: You're gonna be. And, soon. Uh,
8: Oh babe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They got permission. Sam, I mean, oh yeah, Sam oh, oh
0: yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, I'll yeah, see yeah, you
9: anyway. Yeah, yeah. He
13: did not think they
5: were a threat. <laughs> we, 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 yeah, we, we thought it was awesome. More
9: the
13: merrier, spread the love.
9: <laughs> yeah, we thought I, it was. I think I live hilarious. in the same county as you, Jay. Uh, I'm a little bit south of you, and I, I love what you're doing. So I really appreciate uh, your message.
5: Good stuff, guys. Yeah, this is fantastic, Nate. I feel like I just saw you on Friday
15: night. That's right, man. Yeah, thank you. You were there for my two year anniversary. Same with Monica. Uh, so, yeah, thank you. I I feel like I didn't have a heck of a lot to like contribute to this particular topic, but I was very honored to be here. So, thank you, everybody. Um, you can find my show. It's uh, Reality Ours podcast. You can find us on Rockpin and all the stuff. Uh, anybody that's listening to this, I always throw this out to like any of my listeners. If you live within like an hour of Portland, I'll come and have a beer with you. So realityzars at gmail.com. I love hanging out with my all my listeners. And um yeah, uh check us out. We got a couple little documentaries that we're working on and we're just putting out fun content. We might be talking about agorism and permaculture, or we might be talking about Bigfoot or like ghosts, or we talk about anything and everything. So yeah, check us out.
5: Well, we have to thank Monica. Monica was the driving force behind this.
15: I was so About, excited. Behind this
5: episode. She was just inspired. I Lisa. know. I
2: wanted to talk to all these guys. And I was like, well, the I have to bring this to the union of the unwanted.
5: I thought it was a great idea. And yeah. it obviously looked.
2: I know. Thank you everyone for showing up.
5: Yeah. I want to mention some people that had to drop off in advance. We had Joel Saladin, uh polyfacefarms.com is where you can find him. Um, we had Wild Bill. Where's Wild Bill? He's, Wild Bill, he dropped was, off. But yeah. I have
2: to thank him for always sending me rendered tallow and lard. And he does not raise the animals, but he, but he, I mean, and it's just fantastic. So that was an inspiration for the show too. Is that he, he doesn't he doesn't need to do it himself, but those little skills, man. And he spreads the love. Talk about it.
5: That's fantastic. We had Anthony Raimundo on as well, who mentioned he's an attorney in the area, uh, in the Pacific Northwest. Um, he was a COVID
2: hero. He kept all the businesses open in Fresno because closing them down, they they were entitled to a hearing. So all he did was file a request for a hearing, and he got to keep all these businesses
5: oh, open. Oh, I because didn't the know
2: that. That's fantastic. Yeah. Oh, he's a hero. Yeah.
5: Oh, fantastic. And a farmer.
2: I know. I I think he's like, my friends think I'm crazy. I'm like, I kind of, I don't know. (laughs) I feel like I'd be on the Caribbean island, but he's doubling down on a whole new career.
5: Yeah. We had the Naked Gardener and Mike. Yes.
0: You can go to the uh, nakedgardener.us and there's links to her YouTube and Instagram and she just documents everything that uh, we're doing here
5: and obdm while we're at it yeah
0: obdmpod.com a bunch of uh fun podcasts crazy topics and goofing around we always have a good time
5: too much fun over there what's going on sam are you on the road sam uh, sam
7: Oh, uh, so funny um no uh sorry i was didn't talk more i just
13: had to watch the kids at the time so my apologies guys great oh, we're topic. glad you're here man and uh Great. I love it. I want to do it. Um, just go to com for everything you need. And uh, Rock Finn. Uh, I have so many shows on there. I'm doing so much on the Tim Fall Hat uh, channel. Just putting up stuff all the time. And uh, just enjoying a, a great conversation with good friends. And I love you all very much. This has been a wonderful conversation. So thank you for letting me be a part of it. We and love
5: you too, Sammy. Yeah, I'll um,
1: to, we'll get one of his shows coming up. He's going to be near where i live I, i'm going to be like 30 minutes away from august 12th broad brook opera house he'll be there with eddie bravo and i'm sure many other people Ooh. i will definitely be there it's about like 35 30 minutes from where i live in massachusetts so if you nice. want to come hang out with sam hang hang out with me hang out with uh, the whole crew make it a meet up come hang out say hi i know we have a lot of east coasters here from new hampshire and, and others so uh if you're in the area come by. It's right over the border uh, from Massachusetts to Connecticut. And uh, come support our homie. Yeah.
5: What about the ripple effect since we're since we've got you there?
1: uh, Yeah, yeah. I got a show too called the Ripple Effect
5: Podcast. Damn, Uh, good one too. Thank you. I appreciate
1: that. I have um, I'm always behind on releasing these shows. It's hard to kind of juggle everything. But I do have some great shows that I just released. uh, One with uh, Dr. Alan Palmer who wrote the book Uh, truth will prevail 1200 studies to refute vaccine science. I don't know what the subtitle is, something like that. Check that out. I also have an amazing podcast ready recorded. I just need to get it out with uh, one of the pussycat dolls, uh, Jessica Sutta and she was vaccine injured and she's been very outspoken since then. Um, and, uh, we get into obviously her whole story with, uh, being a celebrity and being outspoken about her injury and all that stuff. And then, um, I, I got some other shows coming up, but I always forget because, uh, much like Sam, when, when you're balancing everything, it's hard to keep up with everything. But, uh, uh, so, but yeah, check out the ripple effect podcast.com. You can find it on there. Uh, the videos are available everywhere except YouTube. I do have a clips channel that I neglect, but, uh, you can find the full episodes on band. Video rumble, bit shoot, all those places. And the audio is available everywhere. So, uh, and thanks. Thanks for, uh, I almost said thanks for having me, but, um, yeah, okay.
5: um. <laughs> you're welcome. <Thanks. laughs> macroaggressions goes out twice a week. I have uh, Christian Jordanov is coming on this coming Sunday to debut his new uh, liver detox plan, uh, which is wild. Uh, and then I'll have uh, Whitney Webb will be on the following Sunday. So check it out. Macro, at Macroaggressions on Twitter, at Macroaggressions podcast uh, on Instagram. Thanks everybody. Do we miss anybody? I don't know. If we miss, what about Adam? Did did Adam have anything to plug? We 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 talked about Adam. Is is he's all about the homestead.
0: I worry about it.
2: Knee deep in uh, wool.
0: All right. I, uh, I, I. please
1: people, yeah. check out uh, any interview Joel has done Joel I know a lot of people on here are rogan fans check out his interviews he's done he's been way ahead of the curve with a lot of this stuff he's been an inspiration with a lot of people in this community he's and he's a sweetheart because I, I con- contacted him somewhat last second and he jumped on uh, so I uh, really appreciate it and uh, and thanks everybody for joining us these these episodes are always so much fun everybody has different backgrounds and perspectives it's and uh, you know we just bounce ideas off each other and it always ends up being Magical. So uh so thanks again, guys. Enjoy your chickens, and we'll <laughs> we'll see you guys in the next one.
0: Thank you, everyone.